Thank you for joining me. Open your Bible to Leviticus chapter 5. The title of today's lesson is The Law of Guilt Offerings. Wherever you may be hearing this podcast, give it a like, give it a, a comment, give it whatever it is they, they have over there so we can keep this thing going and share it. Also, too, don't forget about our YouTube page, Berean's Corner. We have some nice videos over there for you to check out. And if you look in the description, it will tell you everywhere that we can be found. Leviticus chapter 5, and let's read. Leviticus 5. If a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. Or if a person touches anything ceremonially unclean, whether the carcasses of unclean wild animals or of unclean livestock or of unclean creatures that move along the ground, even though he is unaware of it, he has become unclean and is guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, anything that would make him unclean even though he is unaware of it, when he learns of it, he will be guilty. Or if a person thoughtlessly takes an oath to do anything, whether good or evil, in any matter one might carelessly swear about, even though he is unaware of it, in any case when he learns of it, he will be guilty. When anyone is guilty in any of these ways, he must confess in what way he has sinned, and as a penalty for the sin he has committed, he must bring to the Lord a female lamb or goat from the flock as a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. If he cannot afford a lamb, he is to bring two doves or two young pigeons to the Lord as a penalty for his sin, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He is to bring them to the priest, who shall first offer the one for the sin offering. He is to wring its head from its neck, not severing it completely, and is to sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering against the side of the altar. The rest of the blood must be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. The priest shall then offer the other as a burnt offering in the prescribed way and make atonement for him for the sin he has committed and he will be forgiven. If, however, he cannot afford two doves or two young pigeons, he is to bring as an offering for his sin a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He must not put oil or incense on it because it is a sin offering. He is to bring it to the priest who shall take a handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar on top of the offerings made to the Lord by fire. It is a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him for any of these sins he has committed and he will be forgiven. The rest of the offering will belong to the priest, as in the case of the grain offering. The Lord said to Moses, When a person commits a violation and sins unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, he is to bring to the Lord, as a penalty, a ram from the flock, one without defect, and of the proper value in silver according to the sanctuary shekel. It is a guilt offering. He must make restitution for what he has failed to do in regard to the holy things. Add a fifth of the value to that and give it all to the priest, who will make atonement for him with the ram as a guilt offering, and he will be forgiven. If a person sins and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though he does not know it, he is guilty and will be held responsible. He is to bring to the priest as a guilt offering a ram from the flock, one without defect and of the proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him for the wrong he has committed unintentionally, and he will be forgiven. 
It is a guilt offering. He has been guilty of wrongdoing against the Lord. When we were together last, uh, we went over the law of sin offerings. Today, we are going through the law of guilt offerings. Now, I have broken this chapter down into five sections. Section one, the guilt of knowing about another person's sin, but not speaking up. We see this in verse one. Now, if a person sins after he hears a public adjuration to testify when he is a witness, whether he has seen or otherwise known, if he does not tell it, then he will bear his guilt. Now, for anyone thinking to themselves, well, it isn't this judging, you know, we're talking about the, the guilt of knowing about another person's sin. Well, let's look at a few references to straighten this out. And we're going to go to some references in the church age. Turn to keep, keep your finger here in Leviticus five, but turn to the new Testament to Matthew seven, Matthew seven. Matthew chapter Matthew chapter seven. I have two places that we're going to go and it's going to be a little bit of reading, but it, it will it will straighten out the point because we want to be sure that everything here is clear. Matthew chapter seven, verse one. Do not judge lest you be judged. Now, when pe most people read that, that's where they stop and they say, see, see. We're not supposed to judge, but let's keep on reading and see what Jesus said. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Pretty straightforward, right? And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? In other words, yes, you, you have sin. They have sin, but you're supposed to be looking at your sin first. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye, you hypocrite. Listen to what Jesus says. First, take the log out of your own eye. In other words, get the sin out of your life, repent and get it right. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Saying, what is Jesus saying? And then once you clear your stuff up, then you can clear his stuff up. But notice Jesus did not say, don't ever clear up anyone's any anyone's stuff now this is talking this is believer to believer and we're going to get into that in the next section let's go to first corinthians 5 keep your finger back there in leviticus but now let's go to first corinthians 5 now there are 13 verses here. I want to read them all because I do want us to get the context. First Corinthians five. It is actually reported there that there is immorality among you. This is Paul talking to the believers. That's the key word in in uh, in, uh, in Corinth and immorality of such as does not exist even among the Gentiles that someone has his father's wife. And you have become arrogant and have not mourned instead in order that the one who had done this deed might be removed from your midst. He might be removed from your midst. That's saying, get this other guy out of there. For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. This is Paul saying, I've already judged the guy. 
in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Hmm, sounds like judging to me, right? Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fast, excuse me, fact unleavened for Christ. Our Passover also has been sacrificed. Sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I write you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Sounds like judging. Let's keep going. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers of with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I write to you not to associate with any so-called brother. I'm going to stop right there real quick. Remember, this judging we're talking about is believer to believer. But I actually, but actually, I write to you not to associate with any so-called brother. If he should be an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders who are outsiders outsiders are unbelievers do you not judge those who are within the church did you, did you catch that i have nothing to do with the people who are outside but do you judge the ones who are inside but those who are outside god judges i want you to remember that people god will deal with the unbelievers remove the wicked man from among yourselves so when you go back, now we're going back to Leviticus 5. And the point I'm making is, is that when it says that when you know about a person's sin, but you don't speak up, there's something to be done about it. Listen, people, you and I, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, we are to hold each other accountable. Now, we are not to hold unbelievers accountable. God will deal with the unbelievers, but we are to hold each other accountable. Don't let someone tell you, stay out of other people's business. It's an, you know, if there is a brother in Christ, we're going to see later in scripture, it tells us that when a brother is out of line, you are supposed to go to him. And if he doesn't listen to you, go with a couple of witnesses. And if he doesn't listen to those witnesses, then go with the church. Of course, we'll get to that later on, but that theme is right here all throughout scripture. Okay, I hope that I did a good job making that point clear. Let's move on to number two. If you touch an unclean thing or person, we see this in verses two through three. If a person touches any unclean thing, whether a carcass or an unclean beast or the carcass of unclean cattle or a carcass of unclean swarming things, though it is hidden from him and he is unclean, then he will be guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness or whatever sort his uncleanness may be with which he becomes unclean and it is hidden from him and then he comes to know it, he will be guilty. So. Once you know of it, you are guilty. Yes, there are times where we may have done things or in this case, they may have touched things that they didn't know were unclean. But once you do know of it, you are you are guilty. It's just like for us. Sometimes we do things. We may not know what was going on in the background. We may not know that it was sin. But once you know of it and you're aware of it, you need to become clean. You need to repent of it. Let's move on to section three. Making a foolish promise. We see this in verses four through 13. If a person swears 
thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good in whatever matter a man may speak thoughtlessly with an oath and it comes hidden from him and then he comes to know it know of it he will be guilty in one of these so it shall be when he becomes guilty in one of these that he shall confess that in which he has sinned he shall also bring his guilt offering to the lord for his sin which he has committed a female from the flock a lamb or a goat as a sin offering so the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin but if he cannot afford a lamb then he shall bring to the lord his guilt offering for that in which he has sinned two turtle doves or two young pigeons one for a sin offering and and the other for a burnt offering so i'm gonna stop real quick this is letting you know that even if you didn't have money to get a a, a goat or a or a bull if you couldn't afford that the lord is saying there is something you can afford and he gave it to you right here in verse seven back at verse eight and he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer first that which is for the sin offering and shall nip his head at the front of his neck but he shall not sever it he shall also sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar while the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar it is a sin offering the second he shall then prepare as a burnt offering according to the ordinance so the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin which he has committed it shall be forgiving him but if his means of insufficient but if his means are insufficient for two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then for his offering for that which he has sinned, he shall bring the tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall not put oil on it or place incense on it, for it is a sin offering. Stop real pause. I'm gonna pause real quick. We see that now, even if you could even afford the turtle doves, the Lord says, Well, you can bring you can bring fine flour. So the Lord is going to make a means for you to bring this offering. Back to verse 12. And he shall bring it to the priest and the priest shall take his handful, shall take his handful of it as his memorial portion and offer it up in smoke on the altar. With the offering of the Lord by fire, it is a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin offering, which he uh, committed one from, a, excuse me, from one of these. And it shall be forgiven him. Then the rest shall become the priest like the grain offering. So. You have to see we have to see here that the Lord is going to see fit that, you know, he's going to get his offering. Now, I also want you to notice that in verse 13, it says, and it shall be forgiven. So once these things are done, the Lord is a he's a just God and he's and he's able and just to forgive. And he does. Section number four, unintentional sin against holy things of the Lord. We see this in verses 14 through 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, if a person acts unfaithfully and sins unintentionally against the Lord's holy things, then he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord, a ram without defect from the flock, according to your uh, valuations in silver by shekels in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. And he shall make a restitution for that which he has sinned against the holy thing and shall add to it a fifth part of it. And give it to the priest. The priest shall then make atonement for him with the ram of guilt offering and it shall be forgiving him. Now we move on to section five, unintentional sin against God's commandments. We see this in verses 17 through 19. Now, if a person sins and does any other things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, 
though he was unaware, still he is guilty and shall bear his punishment. Remember what we said earlier. He's, you still are guilty, even unintentionally knowing. He is then to bring the priest a ram without defect from the flock, according to your valuations for a guilt offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his error in which he sinned unintentionally and did not know it. And it shall be forgiven him. Isn't that beautiful right there? Even though he didn't know, once he knows, he will be forgiven. Verse 19. It is a guilt offering. He was certainly guilty before the Lord. Yes, he was. And yes, we are. Well, that brings us to the end of Leviticus chapter five. I hope you enjoy this chapter and I hope you take good things away from it. And I hope you also notice that our Lord is a forgiving God and we thank him for it. And as I'll say throughout this book and through a lot of these books in the Old Testament, we thank the Lord for Jesus Christ. We thank the Lord for the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world to forgive us of our sins. Because if the Lord didn't have that plan back in Genesis three, you and I would still be making sacrifices to this day well that brings us to the end of leviticus chapter 5 that's all for now god bless